0: hey five oaks family and uh friends that are that are watching and and others that are watching online i just want to say a special special thank you for being online for participating together and our worship together the strangest thing about what we're going through right now is that some people are telling me they're feeling uh, in some ways uh, more connected with each other uh, one of the ways that we've been connecting online is every day right around five o'clock uh, I pray for about three to five minutes, and and I have so appreciated uh, all of you who have made comments of those prayers, a conversation that we can have because of that, or just checked in and said that that you have that uh, that you're that you're on and that you're listening and that you're participating with us It's a, a great way to participate together. And if you haven't had a chance to see that, uh, I want to encourage you to look me up on on Facebook or uh, friend me, um, or uh, in addition to that, you can go to my blog site, which is henry-williams.net, henry-williams.net, and that'll take you uh, to, my, to my spot. All right. Um, secondly, the other thing I wanted to say is, before we get started here, is that uh, not just in times of crisis, but in times, um, in all times, God is a God who communicates with us and he wants us to communicate with him. And so one of the ways that we communicate with him is through prayer and singing and he can hear our thoughts, he can hear our words. And so prayer is so vital during this time, but not just uh, prayer, his word. His word is his primary way with the illumination of the Holy Spirit. He makes his word come alive to us. And it's, it's a big word and it speaks to just about every situation that you can possibly imagine. And that's why we spend time in the word here. Third thing that I want to say is we're intentionally keeping our services simple and part of the re- reason we're keeping them uh, simple first one is is we're not here to entertain you and it could be very easy if a lot was going up on this stage that you could sit back wherever you are and not participate but to just watch what's happening. But We're keeping things simple because we want you to be fully a full participant in what's happening. Secondly we don't want a lot of people on this stage. We Want to keep our crew here as small as as simple as possible for for the sake of 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 safety, and the other thing is we're trying to use songs uh, and prayers that are familiar, and really stretch ourselves a little bit in increasing. We don't have our prayer stations, for example, but the prayers of the people that we just did, for example, is a way of stretching ourselves and praying in our worship service in a in maybe a new and different way, something that we do r- rarely, but we can do all the time uh, right now. So with the importance of the word, I want to invite you to open your Bibles to Habakkuk chapter 1, and uh, specifically, uh, if you don't have a Bible with you, I want to encourage you to go get a Bible. You can pause the video and uh, and get yourself a Bible. If your Bible is the thing that you're watching on, don't worry, I'm going to have the text on the, on the screen here uh, along the way. So we are going to be using the NIV, the New International Version, but whatever your translation is, you'll be able to, f- to follow along. But if you're w- watching on your phone or tablet device or something like that, it's the NIV, the New International Version. Another reason to pause is you might want to go to our sermon site at fiveoaks.church and download the sermon application guide. Uh, there's an outline there. There's blanks to fill out and uh, there's also some discussion questions at the end to help take some of the concepts home that we're going to be looking at today. So we're starting a brand new series. We're looking at Habakkuk, Book of Habakkuk, uh, a book that maybe you've never read before, maybe you haven't even heard of, or maybe you've heard it pronounced in a different way. Uh, nobody really knows how to pronounce this name because it's not a Hebrew name, it's a it's foreign name. And so uh, it's, it was a, a name that people are not sure today how it would have been uh, pronounced, but we're calling it Habakkuk, and we're looking at Habakkuk because Habakkuk was written for times like these, what we're going through right now. Uh, for Lois and me, uh, things have been pretty pretty smooth, uh, pretty easy in many ways uh, during this uh, lockdown and, and this physical distancing and everything. In, in other words, we have each other and we're, we're home most of the day together. She's working from home, I'm working from home. Uh, that sort of thing. And in many ways, things have slowed down, and there are aspects that we look at each other and we say, There's aspects of this that, that we like. What has been kind of hanging over us is worries for other people, whether our people in our congregation maybe losing their jobs, maybe getting sick, of course. Uh, all of that is kind of weighed heavily in the midst of all that. But it really hit us hard on Wednesday night when we got a call at nine o'clock at night. And it was Woodbury Senior Living, and they were saying that Lois's mom was being taken to the hospital. And we realized we couldn't go to the hospital. We couldn't be there with her in the hospital. And so the reason she was going in is her blood pressure was really high, her pulse was really low, and she had diarrhea. And she needed some medical help, so they took her in to Regent's Hospital. And when they were When Lois was done talking to them and just kind of getting the lay of the land, she got on the phone right away, called her brother and called her sister and told them what was happening. And then she looked at me and she said something like, you know, mom's not going to understand this. She's not going to understand what's happening. She's at memory care there. It's hard for her to really hold on to this idea that there's a virus and what's really happening all around the world right now. She's not going to understand this. She's going to feel possibly abandoned. And, and Lois said, that would just be a horrible, horrible way to die. And so that's when it hit us, I think, probably stronger than any other time, just the implications of this whole virus epidemic. Now, the reality is that aside from death, uh, whatever you and I are going to go through as a result of this virus it is nothing compared to what habakkuk is about to go through what god is going to tell him is about to happen what the people of israel are actually going to go through not just death the loss of everything even for many the loss of their nation forever and ever including including their temple so Habakkuk gives us what we need to face a crisis like this because Habakkuk is carrying on a dialogue with God and God is revealing things to him and God is preparing him, preparing the people of Israel. So I want to show you a picture on the screen. I showed this quite a while ago, so you may know what it is. Um, but the, the area that I'd like you to focus on... Actually, let's get the close-up picture There is that rock with the hole in the middle of it. Now, because I've shown it to you, you may know what that is, but uh, that's a toilet. <laughs> and It's a toilet in a rich person's home. And it's, of course, knocked over, and, and the rocks weren't all that uh, in the wider picture. You can see where walls are and kind of the lay of the, the homes. That was all reconstructed. It had been knocked over and buried, but it's all reconstructed by archaeologists. Uh, This is a home that's on the side of a hill in a valley in Old Jerusalem, the city of David. And a lot of archaeologists believe that right above this home, just really just a few feet above this home, is the king's palace. And what knocked that toilet into that position was not a wrecking crew that came in, Um, it was not because they decided to improve their home. What did it was the Babylonians coming in and destroying homes like this. And not just destroying homes like this, but destroying the temple. And taking those who were leaders and well-to-do within um, the people of Israel and taking them into exile and leaving those who are most vulnerable, knocking down the walls, uh, which meant that they uh, they were open and vulnerable to marauders and others that would come and pretty much be able to take whatever they want from them, if they had, really, if they had anything left. And so it's with, uh, so Habakkuk, as we begin uh, this, this, this book, Habakkuk is praying to God, and he's, he's already angry. He doesn't know that the Babylonians are coming, but he's already angry with God. And we'll, we'll look at why he's angry with God in just a few moments, but it's in the midst of his anger and his questioning God that God reveals what's going to happen, that the Babylonians are, are coming, and that God is not going to protect the people of Israel, and that God is actually going to use the Babylonians to bring judgment and ultimate salvation to humanity and to the people of Israel. And it's with this new piece of information, when he finds out that the Babylonians are coming, that Habakkuk really gets angry. I mean, Habakkuk really gets ticked. I mean, he is really angry. And that's what, why we're today, we're looking specifically at how to pray angry how is it that we can pray when we're angry how can we pray angry prayers can we pray angry prayers and i'm going to give you the big idea right up front uh and the big idea uh that uh, that really we're going to get at today and we're going to keep circling around is that we need to when we pray like this we need to fight we need to fight faithfully with god because god fights faithfully for us God faithfully fights for us. Fight faithfully with God because God faithfully fights for us. And by fight, I mean pray angry prayers. Wrestle with God in prayer. But do it faithfully, and we'll see why in just a few moments. Well, before we go any further, I want to pray a prayer of illumination, uh, asking God to uh, guide us during this. Uh, entire, um, as we look at his word, that he would show us what it means, as we do every week before we get into the sermon. So this prayer is based on Ephesians chapter 3, and please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for the freedom and hope we have through faith in you. We look to your word and we ask that by your Holy Spirit, you would speak what we need to hear. Through faith, we know that you are always with us, giving us strength. Strength to stay on mission for you, rooted and grounded in you through every circumstance. Remind us that we are loved beyond our understanding and filled with the fullness of you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we're going to read the passage here in a few moments, but before I do so, I want to set things up a little bit for you. We've already noted that Habakkuk is praying, and he's angry, and the reason he's angry is because he's looking around the people, the Israel, and he's seeing injustice, he's seeing immorality, he's seeing uh, cheating, he's seeing the rich taking advantage of the poor. The, minor pro- the prophets were constantly calling this out in the people of Israel. God was calling this out in the people of Israel. But specifically, he's angry because God is doing nothing about it. As far as he can tell, he's looking and he's saying, God, you're doing nothing about it. So God responds to his prayer and to his challenge. And God says, I am going to do something. I am actually going to intervene. But the way that I'm going to intervene is a way that you're not going to like. It's a way that you're not even going to believe it when I tell you. And you're pretty much not going to understand what it is that I'm doing. Because I'm going to use Babylon to bring judgment on the people of Israel. And God admits, as you'll see in the reading, God admits that the Babylonians are horrible, that they are ruthless, that they are godless, that they're completely into idols and their greatest idol is themselves and their strength and their might. So that's what's going to happen as we read and then we're going to see Habakkuk respond to that. And when Habakkuk responds He basically insults God. It may not be clear to you, but I'll show you where it is. He basically insults God and continues praying. So we start with Habakkuk's first complaint. Uh, We're going to read the first four verses that set everything up. It's Habakkuk's prayer and his complaint to God. It says uh, in verse 1, The prophecy that Habakkuk the prophet received. Now this begins the prophecy. How long, Lord, must I call for help? but you do not listen, or cry out to you, violence, but you do not save. Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed. Injustice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. There we have Hezekiah praying his angry prayer. He's frustrated with the situation. And he's frustrated with God because God isn't doing anything. God is going to give him an answer beginning in verse 5. And as God gives him this answer, he basically tells him, you're not going to like it, you're not going to understand, you're not even going to believe what I'm about to tell you. And so here's, here's God's answer beginning in, in verse 5. It says, look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed for I am going to do something in your days that you will not believe even if you were told. I am raising up the Babylonians, that ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwellings not their own. They are feared and dreaded people. They are a law to themselves and promote their own honor. Their horses are swifter than leopards, fiercer than wolves at dusk. Their cavalry gallops headlong. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle swooping to devour. They all come intent on violence. Their hordes advance like a desert wind and gather prisoners like sand. They mock kings and scoff at rulers. They laugh at all fortified cities by building earthen ramps. They capture them. Then they sweep past like the wind and go on, guilty people whose own God is their strength. That's what their God is. Their God, what they worship, is their strength themselves, their own strength. Habakkuk begins his second prayer, and he begins his second complaint. And now we get to Habakkuk's insult of God. In verse 12, it seems like he's asking just a a normal question. And that he is just affirming God's holiness, but it becomes very clear that he's asking a rhetorical question. The language that he uses actually is often used, mostly used, almost always used in passages where there is verbal conflict going on. And so when he asks this question, what he's actually saying is, are you crazy? That's kind of the idea. That's why it's insult, an insult towards God. But here's, here's what he says. Lord, are you not from everlasting My God, my Holy One, you will never die. You, Lord, have appointed them to execute judgment. You, my rock, have ordained them to punish. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrongdoing. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you silent while the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? You have made people like the fish in the sea, like the sea creatures that have no ruler, the wicked foe pulls out all of them with hooks. He catches them in his net. He gathers them up in his dragnet, and so he rejoices and is glad. Therefore, he sacrifices to his net and burns incest to his dragnet. For by his net he lives in luxury and enjoys the choicest foods. Is he to keep on emptying his net, destroying nations without mercy? That's Habakkuk's complaint. It's like a case study in praying angry, and it teaches us that when we're angry, we need to pray, we need to fight God verbally, fight, wrestle, struggle with him, but do it faithfully because God faithfully fights for us. So let's look at that. Let's just spend a few moments thinking about just that, that, that big idea. Think about fighting when God, with God. So when you pray, when you pray angry, you are essentially picking a fight with God. What you're doing is you're calling up what God has said, his promises, or what he said about himself or how he's described himself, and you're holding that up, and then you're looking at the situation around you, and you're then saying to God, okay, I don't get it. There is there's no match here between what you say is going to happen and what you say you love us and what you say about us and your faithfulness to us and what's happening to it. God, I don't see it. It's this kind of prayer that you find many times in the Psalms. And not just in the Psalms, you find it throughout the whole Bible. I mean, in the whole Exodus story, as Moses is taking the people out of Israel and out of Egypt, and he, he's in the wilderness, you have several of these kinds of prayers that that Moses praise they're included in the bible prayers like this are angry prayers are included in the bible why they're there to teach us how to pray when we're angry they're there to teach us how to pray angry god actually is inviting us to pray angry One of the things that I've heard a few times in my life uh, from engaged couples is they might start talking about how excited they are and they're engaged and they're going to get married and they can't wait to spend their lives together and the wedding and all of that. And somewhere along the line, the dreaded words come out of their mouth and we don't even fight. We've never had a fight. Now it's possible that that there are some exceptions to what I am about to say, but most of the time, the vast majority of the time, the exceptions prove the rule, that is not a good thing. It's not a good thing for a whole host of reasons. It's not good because the reason they may not be fighting, that one may not be aware that the other is afraid to fight because they've watched fights. They've watched what happens in bad fights, with maybe within their own home, and they've seen, uh, they've seen bad things happen because someone complained about something or someone said what was actually on their heart and in their minds. Sometimes it's because one person is so dominant at that point in their relationship and the other one just acquiesces to everything. But here's the thing. That couple is going to fight. They're going to get married and they're going to fight. But they're going to go into their marriage not knowing whether they fight well, whether the other person fights well, whether they together fight well, or how to fight well. The reality is they may not know that the other person fights dirty. They may not know that when the other person eventually gets you know, sick and tired of being sick and tired when they get into a fight, that they fight dirty or they even fight violently. But they don't know that because they haven't had a fight. Good marriages, people in good marriages, they fight. And they might fight often. The issue is not how often you fight. The issue is how you fight. The research on this is overwhelming. Some of the closest most engaged with each other, connected, long-lasting marriages are marriages that fight a lot. But when they fight, they don't fight dirty. They know how to fight and they fight faithfully. So fight. Fight with God. Struggle with God. Wrestle with God in prayer. But fight faithfully with God. Fight faithfully with God because he faithfully fights for us. Now, these laments in scripture like habakkuk's like the psalmist like um like moses these kinds of laments that you find all throughout scripture they have something in common they're different than the kind of murmuring or grumbling that the israelites did against moses and against god while they were in the wilderness the thing that these have in common is that none of these lamenters in scripture are walking away from god they're not they're not leaving the faith because God isn't meeting their expectations. They're fighting and they're remaining faithful. They put their trust in God. They not only model for us how it is that we can fight um, or how we can pray angry prayers, they model for us faithfulness. One of the unique features, as I said, of Habakkuk is this back-and-forth conversation between Habakkuk and, and the Lord, and in the midst of that, God reveals to him what is about to happen. But from from Habakkuk's vantage point, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense at all that God would use a more evil nation to judge the evil that is in his own people. Have you ever tried to explain something to say a three-year-old, something that um, a rule or something that you've asked them to do or something you've told them not to do, but they don't understand it, you've just had to say that for their safety? I, I've seen this so many times or heard of this recently. For example, my three, one of my granddaughters, three years old, after a conversation on Facebook with one set of grandparents, she just basically looked at her mom and dad and she said, she's done. <laughs> I don't know how a three-year-old says that, but she basically said, I'm done. Let them come over from now on. And Mom and dad are trying to explain the virus, they're trying to explain what's going on. There is no way to explain that to a three-year-old. From a three-year-old's perspective, from their vantage point, it doesn't make sense what is going on. But in our, cog- in our arrogance, we expect to understand everything that God does. We demand an explanation and we think we can understand it. But the cognitive gap between you and God is infinitely greater than the gap between you and a three-year-old. Does this mean we just have to have blind faith that we can't ask questions and we need to set our minds aside? It doesn't mean that at all because what we have is that God faithfully fights for us. We can fight faithfully when we fight with God because God faithfully fights for us. Why is Habakkuk faithful in the midst of his complaint? Why does he stick with God? It's not because of blind faith. It's not because he sets his mind aside. It's because Habakkuk knows God's track record of loving faithfulness. It's a long track record with the people of Israel. It's all written throughout the whole story of the people of Israel. Now, we have an advantage over Habakkuk. We have at least a couple of advantages. One of the advantages that we have is that we know more more of the story. I mean, we know what happened when the Babylonians came. We know how they... um, They took people into exile. We know that many of those people did not return, but they spread throughout all the world, the known world at that time. And we know that as you fast forward a couple hundred years, what you begin to to find is that people are actually um, starting a movement. A movement has started called the synagogue movement. And so there's synagogues in all these locations that by the time that Jesus shows up on the scene, synagogues can be found in all the major cities of the Roman Empire. And so when the gospel begins to go out as the apostles, the Apostle Paul, you can read about it in the book of Acts, where do they go first with the story of the Messiah coming for Israel? They go to the synagogues. And many of the Jews there respond. Some don't, but many do. And then there are another whole group of people that make up the large majority of the church in the first decade or so of the church. And they are called God-fearers. They are Gentiles that attend the local synagogue. They believe in one God. They believe that Judaism has truth, but they haven't, or has the truth, but they haven't yet taken that step of becoming Jews. They have not been circumcised, for example. And so, those are the people that in, I wanna say in droves, but the church wasn't that big, but, but those were the majority of the people that populate the early churches. And this happens because the Jews go into exile, spread throughout the known world, begin the synagogues, and people are drawn towards God and the story of Israel. Second thing that we have over Habakkuk, a second advantage that we have is that we have the cross. God is not only trustworthy because he's faithful and you can see it throughout the story, but we see in the cross that he pays the ultimate price. He's faithful and he's willing to suffer on our uh, for, for us he takes the penalty for our sins he fulfills what he promised Abraham the father of the Jewish nation when he said essentially to him Abraham if I fail I should be torn to pieces and he wasn't going to fail he can't fail but it's what he said next he said to Abraham if you fail may I be torn to pieces if you fail to be to keep the covenant if you and your descendants fail to continue to follow me, fail to keep my law that I give you for your own good, if you fail, may I pay the penalty for your failure. That's a God who is faithful and a God who faithfully fights for us. You know, during this time of coronavirus, bring your prayers to God. Bring your whole self to God. You can pray Angry prayers, uh, too. You can express what you are feeling inside about what's happening, maybe in your family, among your friends, or in the world, or among the most vulnerable in our world. Bring it to God. Pray angry prayers. Fight with God, but do it faithfully, because God faithfully fights for you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are a faithful God and you call us to faithfulness. But you give us your grace for when we fail. We thank you that Jesus went to the cross to die for our sins. That we can receive what he did there for us by putting our faith in him and in him alone for our salvation. We admit to you that We are prone uh, as the Babylonians to make sacrifices to and worship our power and our strength and our money and our abilities. During this time, may we be people. May your people be people. May you, um, may, may all of us who are listening right now, may we put our worship only where it belongs. May we worship you with all of our heart, with all of our strength, with everything that we are. We thank you and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.